Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 536. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. We recorded together just last night a new breaking news installment for our Bay patrons right after the Emmys. And now we have the ratings in. And oh my God, the primetime Emmys bombed in the ratings. 6.9 million viewers on Sunday night. That is the latest all-time low that's down 33% versus last year's broadcast. Maybe because no host is a host that powerful for the ratings? I never really thought so. Only because there's so much star appeal. Yeah. Literally everybody's there. If you watch TV, you will see your favorite there. Unless you're, you know, because most people are watching these bigger shows that are nominated like for example, Game of Thrones, the last time the cast is literally going to be up there for that thing, you would think that would have drawn more people in. Maybe if they like did a live post-mortem explaining everything that happened, then a lot of people would have tuned in. But they only walked out on stage and just like waved and said goodbye. Is it possible that it's because, you know, in the old days award shows like this were the only way you could catch a glimpse of celebrities outside of the shows and movies yeah, you would probably see them in. that too. And now everybody has social media. They're posting like a thousand selfies a day. So I feel like if I'm curious about what Peter Dinklage is up to, I don't need to tune into the Emmys to learn about that. I can just stalk him on social. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you could do, weirdo. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think people just care less because it doesn't matter. Who cares who wins the Emmys? Only the people who are like totally obsessed with Hollywood. I saw someone tweet and I felt like this was super accurate. I wish I had saved it because I'm going to butcher it. But basically the the gist of it was um, the Emmys matter if my all-time favorite show is winning, in which case, you know, obviously it's a masterpiece. But if they're not winning, then it's just industry, you know patting yeah. themselves on the back and i thought that that was that was pretty true because that's what we care about like we want to see people that we enjoy succeed especially if they're underdogs or it's their first time winning and but again with youtube you can just rewatch those clips right in other news there was a moment that happened today at the united nations that might actually get more viewers than the emmys did right laura yeah so following up on last friday's climate strike um, climate activist Greta Thunberg ripped into UN leaders at the UN Climate Summit today, and it broke the internet. Andrew, can you play the clip? Yeah, and just a little context. This girl is 16 years old. Right, yeah. And she has Asperger's, so nobody can make fun of her or you're an asshole. Well, also... <laughs> 
Well, also, it's worth noting that she came all the way across the Atlantic Ocean on like a sailboat so as not to contribute to oh, further carbon emissions. Girl. Oh, yes. dang. Wow. She is incredible. And really, oh. she's the one who organized the whole climate strike, which, by the way, had like unprecedented turnout this last Friday. My message is that we'll be watching you. <laughs> This is all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? She's saying all this to world leaders. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of courage. And what a phenomenal public speaker she is, too. Yeah. I mean, being as, as young as she is and being as informed as she is, we'll link to this in our show notes, but she goes on to share some pretty sobering statistics about how even like on a global scale, what's been proposed by more forward thinking governments is not enough to get us out of this hole that we're in. Mm-hmm. So also, I saw a gif of her on Twitter that I retweeted because it was like, oh, my soul. It was... <laughs> A close-up of her as I guess Donald Trump walked by at her oh. face. It's oh just my like, god. Really? Yeah. Oh, I need to pull this up. Now I have no idea if the gif has been doctored. Not mm. sure if like they were actually within, you know, striking distance of one another, but she looked like she wanted to murder him. And I was like, Oh, sweetie, I feel the same way. <laughs> what a cute little child. I know. <laughs> Best friends. But go buy her a PSL and honor the first day of fall. Yeah, that was that was great. And there were also clips of Trump at this gathering and he was wildly uninterested. I mean, he looks I mean, like a two year old new? up there. Yeah, I know. But well, he just... he doesn't believe climate change is real. So, yeah, I'm surprised he showed up, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say that because I was watching her interview on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah and he was asking her um, about the difference between how people respond to global warming and, and climate change over in Europe versus America. And she said that the biggest difference is that in Europe, the majority of people understand that that it's fact, whereas in the United States, our leaders are still debating it. And I felt like that spoke volumes, you know. That interview was also great. That uh, So yeah, that global climate strike, that was pretty awesome. I didn't personally participate, but... I saw signs all over the place for it, and it was a big deal all all over the country and the world, maybe? Yeah, no, it was a global event, and it was um, led by children. I mean, people around mm. Greta's age, young activists, very similar to the March for Our Lives. Um, mm-hmm. So this was largely student-centered and organized, and I just fucking love Gen Z, and I can't wait... <laughs> 
<laughs> for them to be old enough to run for office. And I think it it's so unfortunate that they have been put in the position to have to clean up a lot of the shit that's happened. Yeah. And just vote. I can't wait for them to be able to vote. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, in 2020, we're going to start seeing the first ones here in the States. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah. I think actually at least one of my cousins, maybe two on my mom's side, are going to be able to vote for their first time. And I know they hate Trump. So there's a couple more votes for Biden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, don't let it be Biden. <laughs> on today's show, we have a couple of confessionals. We have a couple of Bay Choice submissions. We also are going to catch up with Chris. Do you remember her? She was going to move into her car when we spoke to her last year. So we're going to call her again and see how that is going. It actually is still going so we're really looking forward to hearing about that and what she's learned and how her life has changed because of that laura i understand your life has changed over the past few days as well see now following up on everything we just talked about this makes me feel like a huge asshole and there's part of me that's like do i even want to talk about this oh okay well let's yeah let's see how good this story is is it worthy of bringing up on the show (laughs) oh great no pressure (laughs) So TLDR, I pre-ordered the new iPhone, as I have in years past, and I was scheduled to get it on release day, as I always have in years past. And so I'm at home, working, waiting for the UPS driver to knock on my door, and it never happens, and it never happens, and I keep updating my tracker to see like, where is it? And then at one point I update it and it's like delivery attempted. (laughs) No one was home. (laughs) And I was like, that is some bullshit because I'm sitting five feet from my front door right now. Uh, My dog would have gone insane if anybody had rung or knocked. And further, when I opened the door, there was no missed delivery slip, which they're supposed to leave. Right. And so I call UPS and they try making all these excuses, being like, oh, the driver said they tried to deliver it. And after about the third time of that line of thinking, I stopped the person on the line and I was like, okay, I understand that. But when a driver attempts delivery and nobody's home, aren't they required to leave a slip showing that they were there and that the delivery was missed? And the person was like, yes, they are. And I was like, cool. I don't have one of those. Um, so I ended up having to go to the distribution center to pick my phone up. And there were like 35 other people there with the same fucking problem. Sounds like there was one lazy UPS driver who didn't feel like dropping off all those phones. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, at the end of the day, like, obviously, it's a total first world problem. But I was just like, come on, this is like the 11th fucking iPhone launch. We can't figure this out by now. Do you think that UPS driver was traveling via sailboat that day? He was inspired by (laughs) Greta and just realized halfway through the day he wasn't going to be able to make all these deliveries. (laughs) You know what? If they had told me that they were pursuing greener alternatives to help reduce their CO2 output, I wouldn't be mad. Our new trucks (laughs) run on wind power and there is no wind today. (laughs) Donald Trump was right. I mean, if they were like, listen, we're going to deliver by carrier pigeon now. I'd be like, well, all right, I get mm-hmm. it. So you got it. Laura was texting me. She was all angry. I was I was trying to eat dinner. I was like, oh, my God, leave me alone. <laughs> you Poor you. Not. Your... You were in support. I was in support. Being, of course You were being very supportive. Of course. I was mostly I... mad that I had to, like, 
bust my ass to get to the distribution office before it closed. And did you stay home all day just for that phone? No, 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 no. So I, oh. I went to work, but then I came and worked from home the rest of the day after oh. lunch. So but like, because of that phone? Well, also because we had a light day. <laughs> oh, I see. Do I have to justify myself? No, no. Well, I, it just adds to the story. If you like, oh. I stayed home all day for the UPS no. driver so I could sign for it. And that no. asshole never showed up. No, that wasn't it at all. Mark was actually home and he was going to sign for it. And then I was like, oh, I can actually go home. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be no question. It's my phone. <laughs> right. We returned a mattress last week. Uh, one of the Amazon ones. Because it it wasn't working out, one of the Zinus mattresses. We ended up getting a Casper, by the way. We spoke about this on hashing it out or on the, or after dark or something. Yeah, so we ended up getting a Casper. Um, but the delivery companies that are hired to pick up these mattresses blow ass. They are the worst. It took three days for them to pick it up. They were going to pick it up Thursday, never showed up. Pick it up Friday, never showed up. Come Saturday. Like five hours late. They missed all their time frames. They were so slow. It's so... It was really frustrating. Oh, that's one day for every floor they have to climb up to get to you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. They saw three (laughs) floors. I'm not carrying a king mattress down three floors. Fuck that. No, but uh, speaking of people who suck, I just wanted to mention that. Hey, do you enjoy Millennial? (laughs) We would love if you shared Millennial with a friend. One of our favorite things to hear from our listeners is how they found the show. And it's doubly awesome to hear when someone was introduced to Millennial through a friend. So now through Halloween, we want to give some shout outs on the show to our listeners who are spreading awareness by word of mouth. Introduce a friend to Millennial and take a selfie together with some sort of proof that you're listening, like enjoying uh, the show together. Then share and tag Millennial Show on social and we'll give you and your friend a shout out here live on the air. And if you are a patron, we will also give you a month of free Patreon access. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Win-win. Yes. So thank you for uh, helping us spread the word. And we'll thank you with a little discount for the month. Before we get to two news items today, time for a word from this week's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Don't I know it? Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash millennial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Millennial. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Well, um, clearly Saturday Night Live did not use ZipRecruiter when recruiting <laughs> for... <laughs> Good transition. 
their latest season. Um, so as always, every year, Saturday Night Live announces the new cast members that will be joining returning cast members for um, this year. It's going to be season 45 of the show, if you guys can believe it. So two of the newcomers, great. We have Bowen Yang and Chloe Feynman. But the third, Shane Gillis, uh, actually turns out to be kind of not a great guy. And shortly after his hiring was announced, a bunch of clips started showing up on Twitter from his podcast, and it features Gillis using racist, homophobic, and misogynistic language. And the troubling part of all of this, honestly, is that a lot of these comments were actually made as recently as May of this year. So it's not even like he can really excuse his behavior saying that he was much younger. This was years and years and years ago, which, you know, obviously is not like a good excuse, but at least it's better than, you know, doing this stuff anyway, despite knowing that we're in 2019 and it doesn't fly anymore. So in response to the outcry, he tweeted a non-apology, which is pretty long-winded. If you want to look it up, you can, or you can reference our doc here. But I just want to read out this uh, last little bit here that he ended with where he said, I'm happy to apologize to anyone who's actually offended by anything that I've said. My intention is never to hurt anyone, but I am trying to be the best comedian I can be. And sometimes that requires risks. So so um, translation, he doesn't think many people are actually offended. Exactly. Also, like, what what is he talking about? The risk of using bigoted language and like stereotypical slurs towards the Asian community like it was straight up offensive stuff he he yeah no he uh, the he's characterizing the use of like um homophobic and racist language like n- nothing that's even like in gray area right like there's no room for interpretation here he flat out used a word that is well known to be a racial slur against Chinese people and he's trying to characterize this as like an artistic decision that's bullshit man (laughs) like come on not to mention how recent this all was May just this past May that's very recent and then a bunch of these clips were all from the past year and this podcast by the way that he's on I listen to these controversial clips it's awful (laughs) I want to go and share hypable impact with him so he can hire me to to uh, produce some better podcasts it was really bad and then him and his partner they just have a poor command of the English language. And a good way to find, to discover if somebody has a bad hold of the English language is by seeing how often they curse. These two guys are saying, fucking, uh, fucking bullshit, fucking, fucking. Every other word is fucking. Yeah. They were very poorly spoken on their podcast. It's like, and, and that is coming from a podcast where, where we're pretty fast and loose with the cursing, right? Like, yeah. We say fuck a lot. But this was literally every other word. I'm like, dude, add some more words to your vocabulary. It just comes off immature. My favorite part, though, is that he tried to delete all of the episodes. But as <laughs> we know, everything on the internet stays forever. So, right. Right. Exactly. So, what happened with SNL Pam after this public outcry? Yeah. Well, we got a little bit of sweet justice, but, you know, we'll talk about whether or not that's too little, too late. So four days later on Monday, the 16th, 
SNL released a statement saying that they were rescinding their offer. Um, again, it was kind of a longer statement, but the most important part I'll read out to you guys here. They said, quote, we were not aware of his prior remarks that had surfaced over the past few days. The language he used was offensive, hurtful, and unacceptable. We are sorry that we did not see these clips earlier and that our vetting process was not up to standards. Yeah, this is another thing. Like, this guy clearly is not somebody who I would turn to for my entertainment. I had never heard of him before this, and I look forward to not hearing about him again after this. But I really hold SNL accountable here because they have no excuse. They said that one of the reasons they went after this guy was because they were looking for somebody with some conservative appeal. And it's like the only conservative comedian you could find was somebody who was blatantly racist. Mm -hmm. What does that say about how you feel about people that are conservative? Because I I think we all know conservative people. Like, yeah, we disagree with them. But I the people that I'm thinking about specifically would at least not use derogatory language like this. Right. Even they know it's wrong. Right. It kind of goes to show that maybe they don't think that viewpoint is important. So they did it to just check a box. But they didn't actually like approach it with any kind of intentional consideration when they were looking for the right person. And I'm sure that there exists somewhere a very funny conservative comedian. I just haven't heard of them yet. What does a conservative comedian add to SNL, though? Writing more jokes against the left? Maybe. Perhaps they're thinking that in 2020, the tide's going to turn. And it won't be as fun to make fun of Trump and the Republicans anymore. Who knows? They could just be trying to diversify their approach. And that's fine. But actually do the work. Yeah. So that's the other problem here, right? Who, Whoever vetted these people, including Shane, needs to be fired because they clearly did a terrible job. This isn't stuff that was buried 20, 30 years in the past on CD-ROM. This stuff was easily accessible through his own podcast. Right. uh, Like, take 15 fucking minutes to Google him. Yeah. They didn't do their due diligence here. And it's very embarrassing. When Lord Michaels of SNL went up on stage at the Emmys, I was kind of expecting him to say something about this. But this also happens every, at least once a year, it seems like, doesn't it? Where there's Mm -hmm. a really embarrassing hiring blunder by a company who didn't do their due diligence. And it sounds like maybe maybe we should launch a vetting company for these people and guarantee, guarantee fucking T, that if we vet them, you will have a perfect candidate on your hands. Sounds like a good side hustle to me. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like ZipRecruiter. We know how to use Google and Twitter advanced search. Twitter advanced search at Shane Gillis. Insert list of offensive words here. Any of them show up? No? Okay, he's great. Going back to the vetting process, um, I was reading this piece that Vulture put out, and they interviewed a prospective SNL cast member, somebody who had gone into audition multiple times over the past few years, under the condition that they could remain anonymous, um, I guess for their reputation. And I did think that that piece was really interested, interesting. And if you're curious about what the process is like, I would highly recommend looking that up. But I think that the most um, disappointing part is basically that they said that SNL doesn't have a vetting process. So they care a lot about 
what you do after you get hired because you're a you're a reflection of their show. But as far as what you did before, according to this anonymous source, they don't really care. And that's why they don't mind just hiring blind, essentially based only on your um, audition in house. So well, I doubt that'll be the case anymore. This has been a big learning a lesson point. for them. Yeah, definitely. I really just think that they, th I don't know why, because it, you know, in a lot of ways, SNL, um, especially the writers are very in touch with what's going on, but this just seems so tone deaf in terms of where we are today in the world of entertainment. Mm -hmm. Maybe they figure, well, if these comedians still have podcasts and are active on Twitter and have some sort of stand up tour going on, then they haven't been canceled yet. So they can't be that bad. I also wanted to talk about the comedy community in regards to this, because they seem rather split. I don't know if y'all have been keeping up with any of your favorite comedians um, and sort of seeing what their take on this is. But it seems like we have like half the camp that's like, yeah, dude's not funny. It's just racist. And the other half of the camp that's like, oh, this is cancel culture. Millennials suck. You make things not fun for us anymore. And I wanted to address that because I think that in comedy, there are definitely ways that you can push the boundaries and end up stepping over the line when maybe that wasn't your intention. And there are ways that you can be offensive and you can go for shock value with like mean at, in the meantime, demonstrating to the audience that you're making fun of the racists and not mm. the group itself, right? Like I think of somebody like Trevor Noah, for example, who really got in trouble around the time that he was cast to take over The Daily Show because they pulled up some old tweets of his, one of which was anti-Semitic. It was not a good joke, but it was clear from reading the joke, the intention was not to be like, I hate Jews, right? Mm -hmm. So I think as an as an audience member, it's easy to read somebody's intention, right? Like when Dave Chappelle talks about race, he's not being racist. He's making fun of racists. And it was the same with George Carlin, right? Mm -hmm. But somebody like this, who's just like, I'm going to drop like racial epithets every other word. And I'm going to refer to women as like fucking bitches and all of this other stuff. There's no nuance there. There's no room for interpretation. So it's not comedy. Right. It's just like flat out not comedy. And I'm kind of getting tired of seeing members of the comedy community and also just comedy fans being like, oh, man, cancel culture. They're taking away all of our funnies. No, they're not. It's just not funny. <laughs> yeah. But also like... Screw everybody who's considering this cancel culture, because if it truly was, Gillis would not have been able to do a stand up set just yep. a few days later on Wednesday night. He exactly. had a set booked in New York City. He's not a pariah. He's still, you know, riding off of this um, buzz and, and clearly has not even learned his lesson. So there's a really big difference between what you know, the naysayers are thinking cancel culture is versus what it actually is. Nobody's really being canceled here. 
Yeah, Victor in our Discord just put it perfectly. There was no nuance, satire, or social commentary in his comments. If you're just being offensive to be offensive, how are you a comedian? You're just some guy talking shit. And that's what this was. And he didn't have much to say because, like I said, he's dropping the F-bomb every other word, too. So Yeah, He's just not a talented person. So it also makes you wonder, like, why did they pick him to begin with if he's not very funny? Well, I mean, it goes they- back to what Laura was saying about appealing to a conservative audience. Um, again, referencing that Vulture piece, uh, one of the things that the anonymous source said was that SNL has, since Trump has been elected, been looking for what they call red state appeal. And the person said they didn't exactly know what that meant, but that that's what they'd heard tossed around in all the auditions that they've done for SNL since. Isn't it a little late for that? There's potentially only a year left in his right. term. <laughs> Well, and well also- yeah, but they've been trying for the past few years, which is interesting, especially because they went so hard in terms of attacking Donald Trump, which, you know, that's fine, you know, but I don't know how they think that they could bring some of his core audience back in after taking such a huge jump on him for the past few years. It is interesting, though, because before anybody thought Trump was going to be the Republican nominee, SNL was, I'm not saying that they were complimentary of Trump, but they kind of gave him a pat on the head a lot of the time. And they even had him host, which I don't think they would do now. No. So it kind of shows that they're sort of looking like, where is it going to be most beneficial for us to bread our butter? Yeah. Um, but the thing that I don't understand about this is like SNL, it is a New York City sketch comedy show, <laughs> right? Like there's really like very little room there for red state appeal. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to be something you're not because clearly when you do that, you fuck it up. <laughs> SNL also just isn't very funny anymore. The episodes can be so hit or miss. Like the episode with John Mulaney, and I was thinking about it last night because that was one of the episodes they submitted for Emmy consideration. That one was really good. But then some episodes, and I can't think of specific ones offhand, are just bad. And I think part of the problem is they're just not hiring great talent anymore. It's not, it's at least not across the board great talent. Of course, some really great people pop up, but then there's other people on the show who just suck and you barely see them in skits or when you do, they are just not entertaining at all. And I think this would have been one of those guys. He's just a generic white guy. There's no, there's nothing unique about him. Like if you saw him on screen, you'd be like, why do they need this guy? It looks like they Red just plucked him out appeal. of the audience. <sighs> what? He's going to sit in every dinner scene and be like, Trump 2020. Like, it can't be all Probably. for Red State Appeal. Yeah, it'll just have all the MAGA merch on. And that's <laughs> what you'll know. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of making America great again, <laughs> ooh, I thought that we could talk about Donald Trump's Ukraine drama over the last few days. So just to give a little TLDR here, on Friday, news broke of a, quote, credible and urgent whistleblower complaint about an exchange between the president and a then unknown party. The White House and the Justice Department actually blocked that complaint from reaching Congress. So if you're seeing a lot of chatter amongst your elected representatives complaining about this, this is why. Um 
as rumors grew that the mystery leader was a member of the Ukrainian government, we learned that Trump actually pressured Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in July to investigate Hunter Biden, who is Joe Biden's son, for his connection to a Ukrainian natural gas company. So the reason that this is such a big deal is because at the time when Trump spoke to Zelensky about Biden, the Ukraine was actually waiting for the U.S. to hand over $250 million in a military aid package from us. And that funding actually just got approved this month. So it's been like three months since they had this conversation. And as people put the pieces together, they're starting to wonder was Trump putting this Ukrainian aid sort of on the back burner pending the Ukrainian president helping him create some kind of conspiracy theory about Joe Biden? Mm -hmm. So there have been a lot of things that have happened with this over the last few days, but I also wanted to get y'all's take on it first. It honestly has made me sick. I think this is Mm -hmm. one of the lowest moments in Trump's presidency thus far that has made its way into the public that Trump is working with a foreign country again to bring down his political opponent in 2020 is abhorrent. And I I'm just really sad because I don't think anything is going to come out of this. Yeah, I I agree. And also just like, I, I don't know. It just further cements the idea that he really does believe that he is above the law and that he's going to be able to get away with it because nobody in power has proven him otherwise. And that's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's literally doing the same thing he did in 2016. Um, Although in 2016, I think it was more of, I think 2016 was actually a test balloon run by the Russians to see like, how far could this go? Mm -hmm. And it went much better than they could have ever imagined. And now Donald Trump is sitting here going, well, hey, that worked really well last time, and I haven't faced any consequences for it, so why not again? Yeah. Right, but no collusion, no obstruction of justice. Right, right? exactly. And then and then Giuliani goes and talks about it and admits on CNN that he did it. And then, of course, the Trump administration, Trump himself, was denying that this happened. And like clockwork, the stories just kept coming out. So now he doesn't even deny that it happened. Now we're at the stage where he just says, oh, but it wasn't really so bad. I was just doing what anybody would do. Yeah. And Giuliani was on CNN saying that it doesn't really matter what Trump did or didn't do on that phone call because he's the president and he can do whatever he wants. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, of course, there are more impeachment rumors brewing right now. The Democrats are... There's news leaking out of House Democrats saying that they might be forced into doing this. Pelosi has adopted stronger language when it comes to current investigations. But what I have to say to that is I will fucking believe it when I see it, Nancy. <laughs> it's Hard it's too Laura. bad. Why? Why? She still is being relatively soft on this whole issue. Just like come out and say it right now. This is terrible. He betrayed our country. We need to start impeaching the president. Just go for it right now. Why the hell not? Because also- they can't, they cannot look past 2020. They're seeing 2020 as the ultimate obstacle, and they're not seeing that this is actually bigger than 2020. So, right. yeah, you we don't want to we, set an example here. 
Right. We might lose an election in 2020, but at the very least, we can set the precedent that this kind of behavior is not tolerated and that American institutions actually stand for something. Furthermore, we need to get everyone in Congress on the record. Mm -hmm. Because I want the history books to be able to look back on those people. I want us to be able to look back on those people in future election cycles and go, nope, you would not vote to impeach a president that we know tried to work with foreign governments twice at this point to throw our elections. And and to bring down a fellow American citizen. Mm -hmm. I just like putting it that way. A fellow American. That is horrible. Saw this tweet. I thought we should mention it. The White House is seriously considering whether to release the transcript of Trump's call with Zelensky this is despite major concerns from top administration officials about the precedent. So that could happen. That would be a big deal. And that would help shore up Trump. That would help shore up Trump's side of the story. Yeah, he's, he's be... also he's also been promising to release his tax returns. So <laughs> I'll, I'll believe this when I see it, too. Yeah. Further, when he made this comment earlier, he was like, you'll see in the transcripts. I mean, maybe you'll see them. Maybe you won't. <laughs> Like, oh my he god said that. i was just he, like okay yeah somebody asked him so he was talking today because of that un event and um yeah somebody said to him he he said oh i would love to show you guys the transcripts and then one of the reporters said so are you going to release the transcripts and then he was like oh no no we're not going to do that no way dude you just said that you would like us to see it so why not what are you mm-hmm. hiding right And as of right now, I'm just looking at the Democratic Party and being like, give me something to go to the polls for and proudly vote Democrat next year. Mm -hmm. Because right now, I'm still going to vote for you. But I am fatigued. I am exhausted. I am disenfranchised. And I do not feel represented by this party that will not stand up to this autocrat. Yeah. And the worst part is... That's what they want. Yeah. I mean, the the scary thing right now is that we have our two major parties, both of whom, for very different reasons, are putting party before country. And that's fucked up. Somebody has to stand for the Constitution and for our institutions. Mm-hmm. So I hope the Democrats are going to pull it together here. We are like just over a year out at this point. And God, it feels fucking exhausting knowing we have that much time left. I don't think we're ready as a country to face the 2020 election. It was just so vicious in 2016. I'm not ready. No, I know. I'm noticing more gray hairs every day. (laughs) And that's why you keep dyeing your hair. Yeah. Well, I mentioned this to Mark, actually. I was like, God, I got these gray hairs and... He was like, you know, that's stress, right? And I was like, yeah, but it's genetics too. My, you know, my uh, grandmother on uh, on my mom's side went, uh, she went gray early. She went gray in her 30s. And he was like, yeah, that's like one person in your family. <laughs> I was like, I think you need to get your stress under check. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what happens there. And if some big breaking news happens, we would definitely record another breaking news mm-hmm. for Bay patrons should impeachment proceedings begin. Seems unlikely at this point, but 
Yeah. We were hoping for it. I was like, oh, man, let there be some big break in this Ukraine story. But it didn't happen. And so we spoke about the lowest rated Emmys ever. (laughs) Sad. (laughs) Still a good discussion. (laughs) It was a good discussion. (laughs) Trump's going to be like the failing television academy. (laughs) He won't, though, because they didn't insult him at all, did they? Oh, that's true. That's why he didn't watch. You know I'm surprised why. he didn't comment on the ratings. Like, oh, they, the ratings were so bad because they never nominated The Apprentice for an Emmy. <laughs> Maybe if they made fun of me on Sunday, more people would have tuned in. Let's get to some confessionals now. This is an interesting one, kind of meta. When you're editing a podcast, what stops you from getting annoyed as fuck about things co-hosts do? Sniffing, hitting the desk, breathing too loud. I realize y'all are pros now, but what about back in the day when you were just starting out? My co-host breathes so fucking loud, and I know <laughs> she's not doing it on purpose, but it bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> Andrew, what did I tell you about writing your own confessionals? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just could not hold it in anymore. So first of all, if you're actually looking for help, just reach out to your co-host and say, hey, you're breathing a lot into the microphone. Can you please back away? Or can you please put a pop screen on your microphone so you're not like this? <sighs> Welcome to my <laughs> podcast. You need this nice little wind cover. And now when I say Potter, the peas don't pop. <sighs> so it takes a lot of it out. I think also it's just once you've worked together long enough, you learn not to take things personally. Like I have had multiple occasions over the years, Andrew, where you've had to reach out to me and be like, Hey, I think you're sitting too close to the mic or you're too far away. Or like when we first started millennial, my microphone was defective and it caused this like flapping helicopter sound. Every time I talked, (laughs) that was super annoying. I ended up having to get a new mic, but that's just, Mm. you know, it's just par for the course with this kind of stuff. Um, And it sounds like you're probably frustrated by this because it's been an ongoing issue. And my guess is that you haven't said anything about it yet. So I think you can do yourself a favor and you can do your co-host a favor by just being transparent about this. It's really not a big deal. And it's something that's really easy to fix. When we have guests on, we give them some rules. No hitting the desk. No typing while you're talking. No air conditioners, loud air conditioners on in the background. People understand that you need good quality audio because people are putting their headphones in their ears and they want high quality sound. They don't want weird noises. If you can come up with some solutions that might help solve the problem, it might not feel so much like an attack as like, we're going to try something new. Yeah. Um, You know, like I, I know that um andrew is really good about that he'll just be like oh like you're taking a deep breath before you talk try you know changing this or that and i think laura and i are all really receptive (laughs) of it we're actually trying to troubleshoot something that i'm doing right now that i can't figure out but yeah listeners you may have noticed like this mystery brushing when pam talks sometimes it kind of sounds like this I don't know if you can hear that right now. See, no. I can't hear, you hear that. that? At I didn't all. hear anything. Maybe Zoom's taking it out, but I swear <laughs> she's like rubbing her chin or something and doesn't even realize it. And and so I brought that up to Pam. We'll see what happens this week. Right. I can't hear it yet. But it's just but... like fu- nowadays, it's just funny. You know, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing that. I'm so sorry. Let's figure out how to fix it. It'll probably go better than you think, honestly. Yeah, it's funny if you get it fixed. It's frustrating if you don't. <laughs> 
it's hard editing. It's hard recording. There's a lot going on. There's a lot you have to be mindful of. It's a lot of work. It's very stressful. I mm-hmm. hate editing myself. Hate it. Hate. Why? I hate listening to my own voice. I've been editing for other people. I love it. I just get to sit here in the background, cleaning up people's shows, and not critiquing myself. All right. Well, speaking of you, Andrew, our next confessional says, I'm sorry, Andrew, but despite knowing exactly what you look like, every time I hear your voice, I picture John Cozart. His face is just what came to mind before I saw what you actually look like. I don't think it's a bad thing, though. You're both very good looking. Hmm. I'm awkwardly slide out of this now. Peace out. (laughs) Well, that's a good compliment, John Cozart. Very talented. Yes, he is very talented. He is very good looking. I think he's better looking than I am. I'll just throw that out there. Oh, I don't think that's true. Funny story about John Cozart. My friend in West Hollywood fell for him. Laura, our friend. Oh, oh. <laughs> fell for him and like hung out with John Cozart a bunch of times, but John Cozart wasn't feeling it. And in fact, I think he was pretending not to be gay. <laughs> to <gasps> that's really like push, bad. Ooh. To push away. <laughs> And how do you um, pretend not to be gay? Uh, like, you, do you just date women? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but so, but I know was very frustrated when I think John Cozart did come out. Do you know Pam? I I feel like he's out now. I wouldn't know when he did or if he was ever not out. So he was pretending like he didn't like guys when was interested in him and then John Cozart and goes and comes out or announces he has a boyfriend or something like that. I know I was like, well, wait, what the fuck? I thought you were straight. <laughs> hey, John Cozart. That was a good choice. <laughs> you dodged a bullet, John Cozart. No, I can't say that. That's awful. No, you can edit that out. That's that's a Patreon live stream exclusive comment right there. <laughs> All right. And uh, final email. This is geared more towards you ladies, I think. I'm 24 female and never had an orgasm. What are your best cheap recommendations for toys? I highly recommend Adam and Eve. They're a sex toy shop that you can access online. It's adameve.com. They offer a variety of items that are priced from like extremely reasonable to incredibly expensive. Um, There are even (laughs) items on there that are like $14 um, that I think you'll enjoy. Things like clitoral stimulators and stuff like that. Um, What I also really like about them is they're very discreet. So when they send you your package, no pun intended, um, (laughs) it's very discreetly wrapped and the return address does not say adam and eve on it or anything like that so you don't have to worry about like your mailman or your neighbors seeing it and judging you or anything like that um but they also sell a lot of stuff that's like waterproof so it can be used in the shower the bath as well highly recommend that kind of stuff it's just usually easier to like clean also i just want to add that material is important especially if you're inserting anything so Mm -hmm. the good thing about going with Adam and Eve, for example, versus Amazon is that they're very transparent about what the thing that you're buying is made out of. So you can then in turn do research uh, surrounding whether or not that is, you know, healthy. And also, if you need any lube, what kind of lubes would go with that material and not, you know, cause it to deteriorate or become porous, things like that. So Mm -hmm. also be sure to get yourself some cleaner. 
they sell that there as well. Um, usually you're not going to want to use like regular like soap, like hand soap or anything to clean these items because again, um, your regular like antibacterial hand soap can have stuff in it that'll like break down um, the toys or like not fully clean them to the extent that they should be. But the toy cleaner is usually pretty inexpensive. So recommend that too. And have fun. That's the most important part. (laughs) And write in, let us know how it goes. We love getting updates. Yeah, let us know what you bought. (laughs) Yeah. Me and Pam are going to be getting out like our books. Okay. Our Adam and Eve wish list. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's all anonymous. She doesn't even have to feel any shame. So yeah, exactly. And there's, there's nothing to feel shame about. I've bought you want to come on air and have your first, well, come on air. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very personal experience. Yeah. But also, like, just in general, I think that the way that you're approaching this is very smart because a lot of women, you know, spend all of these years having sex thinking that they're not supposed to orgasm or maybe they're just, you know, not meant to. And self-exploration is a great way to figure out what works for you so that when you do Mm -hmm. decide to have sex, you'll have the best experience possible. Definitely. If you don't know what you like, how can you tell somebody else what you like? That's right. I once bought a big black, not erect, but like partially erect (laughs) dildo. And I took it out of the box. I was like, oh, God, never mind. Return. Just too intimidating, huh? Yeah. And now I'm thinking, like, did I have that delivered to my parents' house? <laughs> that's creepy. I mean, that's as long creepy. as they didn't open it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I would was have come that... out a lot sooner if... Um... I was going to say, was that before you came out to your parents? Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> yep. And it was in the house long before I came out. <laughs> I remember I also ordered, and this was so high school of me, a giant inflatable penis, but I'm talking like a six foot one. And I brought it to Vegas, Laura, where we met for the oh, first time. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, good times. And I still remember, you know how m- certain visuals just stick with you? I still remember getting home from school and finding it on the kitchen table. Of course, still <laughs> wrapped up. But I was like, oh my God, there's a six foot penis inside this box and it's sitting on my family's kitchen and my table. mom doesn't even know <laughs> nope she's watching oprah like nothing is wrong right now <laughs> if like our last confessional writer you're looking for a way to show your body some love look no further than our next sponsor third love third love is making the best fitting most comfortable bras out there Third Love offers more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. For some additional convenience, you can skip the trip and take their Fit Finder quiz to answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in just 60 seconds. Over 14 million women have taken the quiz to date, and Third Love uses data points generated by their quiz to design bras that take breast shape and size into account. Pam, we've both been wearing Third Love bras for around a year at this point, and I wanted to ask how yours are holding up. They're holding up great. My favorite part about these bras are the straps. They don't dig into my sides, and they're really comfortable on my shoulders. It's just a really well-made bra, and it's really nice to not have to worry about trying on a million things. I know this is probably a struggle that you understand. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think for me... I love the straps, but I also really love the cups. Um, That like molded silicone they use really just like 
goes nicely under anything. And I don't have to worry about like gapping or, you know, spillage out of the cups happening um, because they just really do mold to your body so well. But don't just take our word for it. We heard from a listener who is in love with her third love bra. She writes, I've heard you all praise third love forever. And since breastfeeding, I really needed some new bras and couldn't find anything in my area or even Europe-based brands that fit very well. So I decided to try it out. And wow, the test really works. And the bra is the most comfortable I've ever owned. Never going back. Thanks for the endorsement, Eileen. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash millennial to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L for 15% off today. Your tatas will thank you. Over on Patreon, we asked our bays, what do you want us to talk about this week? That's one of the benefits when you become a bay. Chloe said, can you give an update on Pat's cat moving in? Is Brooklyn getting along with her? Pat's cat, Charlie, it's a female, but named Charlie, moved in like a month and a half ago, and they're getting along just fine. Brooklyn is as chill as they come, so he doesn't care. It's it's taken Charlie a little time to warm up to Brooklyn, but Charlie is pretty chill with Brooklyn now as well. I mean, the the person or animal that's having the hardest time adapting is me. I'm just not a cat person. In fact, about a month ago, one of our listeners, Laura, tweeted me, Andrew Sims on episode 329. I could never date someone who has a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the the tables tables have turned. turned. Oh, my God. Pam, we're the same person. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why we're surprised, but... (laughs) I replied to her. I was like, yeah, and then I met Pat. And what am I supposed to do? Break things off because he has a cat? Of course not. The problem that I have is that it's a two-bedroom condo, and there's really no place for a litter box, so we put it in the spare bathroom. And I just feel like I've lost a bathroom because now the cat uses that as a bathroom. So you don't like using that bathroom because there's a litter box in it? Yes, it was an even worse problem because the litter that Pat had, it just like kept tracking out into the hallway. And then he found new litter that actually does not have that problem. If I knew it offhand, I would... Oh, it's called Skoon, S-K-O-O-N. It doesn't stick to their feet like other litter does. So check that out, cat owners. Next base submission is from Roshni. What are your biggest regrets if you have any? Pretty deep question. I was trying to think about this earlier today. I guess I would say my biggest regrets right now are just burning a couple of business bridges, including (laughs) that one I documented a couple weeks ago (laughs) on After Dark. There have just been moments where I get really angry. And instead of thinking about the long term, I just react for the short term. (laughs) And so (laughs) there are definitely people I no longer have business relationships because I was like, fuck you, (laughs) I'm out, you suck ass, goodbye. Roshni, I don't think mine is going to be any surprise to you. I would say for me, it's the amount of student debt that I took in order to obtain my master's degree. Um, I've documented here on this show having conflicting feelings about my master's experience. And even though I don't particularly uh, cherish the time that I spent doing my master's because I was pretty miserable. Um, 
I think that it was good for me because it showed me what I was made of and what I could handle. So what I actually really regret about this is how much money I spent doing that because I feel like I could have learned that lesson in a, in a more cost-effective way. Mine is similar to Laura, but a little bit different. I just regret not getting my general education requirements out of the way to community college. I really bought into the idea that I was a failure unless I ended up at least at a state school and that was like you know, lowballing it, which is an awful way to think, but that's kind of what happens when you're influenced by your surroundings. Um, but yeah, I think that I could have saved a lot of money. And also it would have given me a little bit more time to, to really decide, um, you know, what I wanted to do, which like, obviously I would have ended up in the same career, but I just think that I wouldn't have second guessed it so much. So in other words, you wish you got your GE at like a community college so you wouldn't have gone into so much debt? Yeah, I just um, because, you know, the first part of university is really just getting all of your basics out of the way before you start focusing in on your degree. And I declared pretty late anyway, so I wouldn't have lost anything by not going straight to a state school. I see. Yeah, because it's just like math and English and stuff like that. So I could have taken that anywhere. Yeah, I wish this would have been a thing at the master's level too, because honestly, a lot of the classes I took my first year, I feel like are things I could have done somewhere cheaper. But because they tend to be shorter programs, like two years, a lot of schools aren't really super open to transferring in of those credits. So... Mm-hmm. It's also a way I could have saved some money. Next Fuck question. Fuck you, higher ed. <laughs> Next question is from Jared. What is the thing happening in your life you're the happiest about? Would love to hear what you're most excited about in your lives right now. So like I just mentioned, I'm happy about uh, my living situation with Pat, for the most part, except for the cat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're also thinking about where we might end up next. It's still a couple of years off, but we're already thinking about it. We're still in the very, very, very early planning stages, but it's on our minds. I don't want to be here long term here in Chicago. So, and I can talk about that on another episode at length. But uh, yeah, we're just looking for the next step in life. I'm also happy with how everything is going business wise. Shout out Pam and Laura. So things are generally Ah, just good right now. I mean, I'm still stressed the fuck out about every little thing, but it's all working <laughs> right now. Everything's still standing. But you're just imagining all the scenarios in which everything could go wrong. Of course. That's yeah. why I'm on Talkspace every moment of the day, <laughs> spamming my therapist. Help! Um, well, I have to echo some of your sentiment because um, Mark actually moved in around the same time that Pat did. And it's been really good. Uh, I'm just really enjoying like having another person, especially like my best friend and like life partner living in the safe, same space as me. We just have so much fun. And it's nice to be able to get that like 24 hours a day as opposed to like two or three times a week. Millennial is also something I'm really happy about. I mean, I've always been happy about Millennial, but the show's in a really good place right now. I like what we have going on here and I'm excited for some of what's to come. So that's always a really fun thing to have sort of outside of like 
my nine to five job commitment. And I just feel, and I know people say this about turning 30, but I feel like happier and more confident than I ever have in my Mm. life. And I'm just like, oh, wow, people weren't lying to me. It actually does get better. It does get easier. And like, life still sucks sometimes. That always happens. But generally speaking, I just feel better equipped to handle when things like get all fucked up, you know? Um, I think about where I was 10 years ago and I'm like, oh God, I would never want to go back to that. <laughs> so just, well, I think I'm glad general... it's gotten easier for you. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Andrew? I'm still waiting for it to get easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm 30. Where's my... Where's my easy track? Yeah, but you're a baby 30. You just turned 30. Oh, I thought you meant like you're a baby, which is also true. No, well, yeah, it is true. But like, I'm getting ready to turn 31 here soon. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Everything's just kind of in a good place. Is everything in a perfect place? Is it all in the ideal place? Of course not. But I just feel like I'm better able to navigate and handle life now than I was even five years ago. Good. Yeah. I hate you. (laughs) I'll be your talk space therapist, Andrew. There you go. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'm as zen as Laura is, but I am (laughs) just really happy about having a better work-life balance. It's in a much better state than it was a year ago, like literally um, a year ago this month. Uh, I really decided to take a step back from just the too much that I was trying to do. And it's really amazing how nice that can be. And um, yeah, so that's just really allowed me to focus on trying to figure out like what I want out of my free time. And that's also helped a lot with my mental health. And because that's better, I can start working on my physical health, which I'm really excited to start doing. I signed up for yoga classes because my back went out and I was feeling really old. So I'm really excited to hopefully (laughs) prevent that from happening in the future. This is 30, you know, and um I recently reconnected with some old friends and it's just really nice to uh, do that sometimes because these are just people that I knew growing up when I was in like middle school and stuff. And, and I think there's something really cool about knowing somebody when you were that age and a completely different person, but then still being able to connect um, as adults, because it's, it's in a lot of ways, like a completely new relationship, even though it's somebody that has literally seen you through all your awkward stages. Um, So that's always really fun. Friends um, are the spice of life. And so it's nice to to have that. Well, everyone sounds better off, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Like I said, it's never perfect. There's always Mm -hmm. things that could be better, but could also be way worse. That's yeah. true. And if it makes any of you guys at home being like, oh, like everybody's happy except me, if it makes me feel better, I had to think about what was actually making me happy right now when I read this. Right? Yeah, because it's like, you know, the gut reaction is just to be like, happiness? Who is she? Yeah. But when you really stop to, to really reflect on not just like the bad stuff that's happening to you, but the little things that you're um, the, you know, that are bringing you joy, it, it puts you in a much better mood. So yeah, 
Yeah. On next week's episode, we'll balance it out by complaining about all the things that are bothering us. Uh, how long will that segment be? Because <laughs> whole episode. <laughs> Perfect. Complain a palooza. That'll just be part one. <laughs> That'll carry us through the end of 2019. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> part one of eight. Finally, Pauline says, talk about the Storm Area 51 result, which I guess is called Alien Stock. Haha. So, yeah, we brought this up. Actually, I don't know if we ever. So, fun fact when Laura was off, we had Pat on and we did a segment of What the Fuck News, but I ended up cutting out the whole thing because it was just me talking the whole time. Pam and Pat were sucking. Really? Yeah. 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 I don't remember that. So, that that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, this was the I oh, know maybe we did because Laura was on. Oh yeah, the what the fuck news story was about how the town couldn't handle how many people were expected to storm Area 51. And we all loved this Facebook event because it went viral like 2 million people, probably more RSVP that they were coming, so the government was concerned that people might actually try to storm Area 51. Well, only about 3,000 people showed up and nobody <laughs> tried to actually storm it. It was more of a community gathering. Everybody just hung out and made friends and enjoyed the desert. So nothing really happened. I guess we'll have to try to storm Area 51 another time. There's some really great footage, though, of an anchor covering the event. And one random dude (laughs) goes like Naruto running behind the camera so you can see and that was one of the things they threatened to do in the Facebook group. (laughs) And it was like, they can't kill us all. People were wearing like tinfoil hats and stuff. It was pretty funny. And of course, the desert is just so beautiful. I kind of wish I could have gone and just hung out it with all these like, hippies. It seems like, in a weird way, the most wholesome group of people because the tinfoil hats, the new segment I was watching on this, like some guy was making them for free <laughs> and handing them out to people. And, you know, in a world that's really fueled by consumerism, I'm just surprised that he wasn't charging at least 50 cents per hat. Yeah. You know what? It sounds like these people found their tribe. Yeah. You good know, for that's them. great. All right. It's time now to speak with Chris. We spoke with her last year because she was planning on moving into her car. And now we're going to speak to her to see how that is going. Hey, Chris. Hey there. Hi. How's it going? Hi. Hi, good. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Nice to speak with you. Thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. So last time we spoke with you, you were about to move into your car. When when did you move in and how did that initially go? So I moved in uh, August, I believe it was actually August 15th of last year. And um, I actually have bounced around a little bit. I was in the car for four months and then went back into a house for a little while, um, living with friends just because it was convenient and I had a really good job for a while, but decided it wasn't for me and came back to the car. So, um, yeah, (laughs) bounced around a little bit, but thus far I'm happy in the car. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not an ideal situation, but it's not the worst thing ever either. And obviously I was willing to come back to it. So, yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been living in the car now? Uh, at this point, well, total or, or like the latest stretch. Um, probably almost a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And where do you live again? I'm in the Seattle area. I'm east side of Seattle. Mm. What's one thing you wish you knew about car life before moving in? Anything surprise you? 
Yes, how expensive food is. Uh, that's uh. been the worst part. I did not expect. I, I thought by doing this, I was going to save all this money and, and pay off my debt and uh, be able to live uh, a little bit more economically. But food is very, very expensive. <laughs> so what do you mean? Because you're eating out more? It's because or... I'm eating out almost constantly. Yeah, there's not uh. a great way to prepare meals. If you have a van, if you have an RV van, if you've got you know space for um, cooking and, you know, you have some kind of range stove or whatever that you can cook on. Great. I don't have a van. I'm in a Honda element, so I don't have a lot of space and food here is very expensive. So yeah, I'm sure there What's are a people good, who do it better, but yeah. What is a good car meal when you're living in your car? <laughs> some dry um, food. Yeah. Lots of dry food. I do have a Yeti cooler which helps a lot. I'll, a lot of times I'll go get something to eat um, at a restaurant, split it into three or four meals and just have that um, one a day or one every other day or something. Um, but a very popular thing is just taking tortillas and melting cheese in between like a little quesadilla and you can eat that with some salsa and it's you know, melting cheese meal. how like with a magnifying glass from the sun <laughs> harnessing the sun's power build a little fire no uh, actually there's a lot of rest stops and uh truck stops and stuff that have microwaves inside that you can use gas stations oh, yeah so i rely on those a lot well, so speaking of truck stops and gas stations where do you usually park if i'm traveling which i've done a significant amount of since moving into the car then i like truck stops the best if I'm in town and working, then I have my favorite streets that I park on, usually next to a park where there's not residents who will be bothered by me sleeping, I guess, on the street. Um, but yeah, it depends on what I'm doing and where I am. Yeah. Have you run into any assholes yet? Because I remember when we last had you on... Either you had experienced somebody who was who was purposely beeping at you, or you had heard that somebody was doing that. Yeah, no, that was me. <laughs> yeah, there was a uh, guy who would drive by every morning and just blare his horn repeatedly, and he'd do it over and over again. Uh, um, yeah, I haven't seen him recently, so I'm hoping okay. he moved. But yeah, that got old really fast. Any Seriously? other people like him? No, actually, and you know, I don't know how familiar you are with the Pacific Northwest, but it's really welcoming up here. And, um, you know, you talk about living in a car basically anywhere else in the United States that I've lived at least, and people think you're crazy, but out here it's like, oh yeah, that's a great way to live because you're saving all this money, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, people in general have been very helpful offering me showers, which is the other extremely complicated thing to work out um and offering me a place to cook food and stuff like that so everyone's been really awesome yeah how are Do your you have, dogs like... holding up have they adjusted pretty well they have uh one of them in particular probably could use a little more exercise it's tough when you have very limited space because if i was in a house i would throw the ball inside if it's cold out but if it's cold out now or if it's raining, I have to go outside anyway and walk him and run him and make sure that he's had enough exercise. So that part is a bit of a struggle as well. But they are used to it. The other two are older and they really don't care. Yeah. 
do you like let them sit outside like leashed all day or something if you're not moving around Oh, no, 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 no. They are in the car if I'm not around. I wouldn't leave them unattended. Oh, I don't mean that yet. But like when you're home, so to speak. When I'm home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If I'm actually, honestly, if I'm home, we go to the dog park a lot. If I'm, um, you know, we'll go for hikes. We'll go for uh, walks around town, stuff like that. So anytime I'm not working, it's doing something with the dogs. Are they still able to come with you to work? I seem to recall that was something you were able to do. Yeah, one of them does. The other two usually don't. They usually stay in the car all day. Um, but the one that comes with me has a little bit of separation anxiety, probably from mm. the fact that I never leave him. So um, he comes to work with me every day. Yeah. So what How, do you do? Uh, I just had a question about leaving your dogs in the car, mostly yeah. because I think people out here in California are kind of crazy and they get really anxious when they see that. So how yes. do you combat that and make sure that nobody decides to be a vigilante and, and break your window open? It always worries me. I'm very conscious of the heat. Um, if it's hot, they do come into work with me. Honestly, I feel like that's a cultural thing too. Out here, that is something that you see a lot is people leaving their dog in the car. It's not abnormal to go out to eat and have your dog sit in the car It's not abnormal to leave your dog tied out in front of a restaurant. So in California, I would definitely worry more. Here, I'm not so nervous about it just because it doesn't really get that hot, especially this time of year. So people aren't worried about your dog dying in a hot car. You know, it's right now 50 degrees out. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's so interesting because like living where I live, it's hard to conceive of a time of year that you could reasonably leave your dog in the car without them potentially being exposed to the elements right like for the only time of year we could do that is in the winter and we don't want to do that either because then it's really cold yep yep exactly well and that's what makes the pacific northwest so nice since our temperatures are so mild even in the summer i mean it gets up to like 80 degrees anything past 70 without clouds i won't leave them uh, uh, in the car at all but if it's if it's below 70, it's cloudy out. There's, you know, I'm parked under shade. I've got the heat shields up. I've got vent locks for the back. Um, I have bowls of water and fans and stuff for the inside. I'm not worried about it. You know, and the nice thing about where I work, too, is I have an eye on the car at all times as well since I'm right next oh, to the window. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So. Of course, the, one of the big reasons you were doing this was to save money. Do you feel like you've done that? You were kind of saying that it's been harder than you expected, maybe? <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> I have not saved money at all. Um, really? Yeah, the you know, there's been other factors. I've had some medical problems. Uh, that was one of the reasons I ended up moving. So that probably affected the whole money saving thing more than anything else. One of my dogs has been very sick as well. That's cost a lot of money. Mm. Food, you know, I feel like if I wasn't paying off debt, at the same time as doing this, it would be extremely affordable and I'd be able to save up a lot. But if you already have that other element of debt, then you're just digging the hole deeper and deeper by trying to afford meals and trying to, you know, granted, there are probably people who can do this way more cheaply than I can, but I'm very picky about food. So I like things that taste yeah. good, which doesn't help either. <laughs> no, I hear that. I would, I would be the same way. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe maybe this is a little personal, so feel free to say, "Hey, go to hell." Um, no, that's but fine. 
do you do you date and do you tell people about this when you do and how how do they react yeah so um i'm actually dating somebody right now um he's a friend that i met two years ago and he knew about the whole car thing before we started dating and he's so open to it that he stays in the car with me when he comes up to visit so (laughs) yeah yeah he's really awesome Um, that's fun i've not really dated much but other than that i did date a guy previously who was in his car when i was in an apartment before i even moved into my car so i feel like i've been on the other end of things having dated somebody that was living in a vehicle and I wasn't put off by it at all. It's, you know, like I said, I I do think there's a cultural aspect to it here versus anywhere else where Mm -hmm. it does seem so crazy to think about living in a vehicle in like Florida where it's a million degrees out all the time, but here where it's so temperate, it's a lot easier to conceive that somebody would make that work and not be overly, um, unsanitary is the word that I will use there. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, this applies to the current topic, but I think this could just apply in general. How do you handle privacy? Yeah. Um, I have shades that go up in my windows, so that helps a lot. Um, There's a lot of dispersed camping where I am. I'm about 20 to 30 minutes from the national forest that's in the Cascades. And so a lot of times I'll just, if I don't want to be around people or if I just need some privacy, I'll drive up there, camp out in the forest there. Um, Mm. that's, that makes a big difference actually. So it's not too hard to find somewhere where you're not going to see a lot of other people. And do you have a bumper sticker that says if this car is a rockin', don't come a (laughs) knockin'? Oh, yeah. I could use one. So if you've got some recommendations. <laughs> we'll find you one. We'll okay, find you great. one. Send it to you. <laughs> Any other big challenges that you faced while living in the car? Oh, um, laundry is expensive. That's a big one. I think Where do you do showers that? and laundry, laundromats, which, you know, I, I end up spending probably about 10 or $20 a week on laundry yeah well it helps that the person i'm dating now works at a hotel and can do laundry for free there so (laughs) (laughs) there is a lot of there's a lot of favor asking you know yeah you do really start to rely on the people around you and the whole community of people that have other resources so i feel like i've done a lot of that otherwise Mm -hmm. i would be spending 10 times the money i am you know i've gone to friends houses and cooked meals I've taken showers at friends' houses. So do you think you'll continue doing this for the foreseeable future? That's our plan, actually. My uh, significant other is planning on moving up to Seattle. He lives in the Portland area right now. So we're going to initially live in the vehicle until we have enough for a place to live. And then we may end up doing that just because we he has a dog as well. So that will be four dogs living in a car. and oh my gosh that's a little excessive (laughs) yeah you should add like a second story to the car i think we reserve that for (laughs) the dogs or something get another car you know just attach the two together (laughs) (laughs) what do you do to just like power your like your phone for example you have backup batteries i do i have little batteries and i have a little mini solar panel that i'll stick out it's a solar panel battery that i stick out in the light 
when oh, I'm fun. working and that doesn't work too well when you're in Seattle and it's raining, but other yeah. times it works fine. And then um, I charged my batteries at work a lot as well. Mm-hmm. I have access to everything there and can charge up stuff. And if I driving around, I always have my phone plugged in just because that's something I always want to have battery. In. What is the number one thing? Number one, only one thing you miss when you're living in your car from living in a home. Mm, showers. Showers. That's <laughs> yes. It. Yeah. It's showers. Yeah. yeah. If I go, I work at a vet right now. So if I come home from work and I've been soiled by dogs, <laughs> oh, I yeah. can't always take a shower and that's not great. You should like park by a lake. <laughs> I, just I dive agree. In. I would love to find one. <laughs> if anyone in the, uh, Pacific Northwest knows of a bath friendly lake, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> bath friendly. I know you were talking about maybe getting a gym membership to get shower access. Did that prove to just be not cost effective? Um, so I actually there's a community center here in town. It's like a gym that has showers. They were they closed it down for a few months last year when they were working on it, and that was pretty irritating because that meant there was really nowhere to go unless I wanted to pay $80 a month for a gym membership. And I didn't want to do that. So, um, yeah, it does work. I I don't love the fact that I have to leave the dogs completely unattended for a long period of time, just because I do worry about the vigilante aspect of someone trying to break the windows just to save the poor homeless animals. But, um, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Do you have like a sign you can put up? No, dogs are okay. <laughs> I don't know if that would be worse, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Dogs are okay. I just live here, you know. Trust like, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't decided if that's better or worse, but um, yeah, so far I'm I'm making it work. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the easiest thing, but yeah, it's, it's an adventure. For people who are on the fence about this, maybe who have thought about this, maybe. I, I think they're probably learning something right now about the whole experience. Would you still recommend this to other people? Absolutely. Actually, yeah. yes. It's been very character building. I feel mm-hmm. like that combined with the fact that since I last talked to you guys, I've moved across the country once, drove across the country twice by myself. And I mean, like Washington to Florida and back. Um It was a learning experience to see exactly what I could handle by myself without someone else assisting me or relying too much on, you know, hotels or um, an apartment, a place to live, you know, finding your own resources kind of thing that has been extremely valuable. And I feel like it's made me a significantly more resourceful person in the long run. And just traveling with less stuff. Yeah. Must be very freeing. Less I is have, more. I've dumped so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Every time I move, I get rid of more. <laughs> so And you could write a book about this one day. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> it's called How to Get Rid of All Your Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and find places to shower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Best <laughs> food for living in the car. Oh God. There should be a, absolutely be a recipe book for that. <laughs> <laughs> recipe book. Call up Anthony from Queer Eye. I think we have a new idea for him. All right, Chris, exactly. we'll let you go. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for, for having time. me. Yeah, absolutely. It was nice catching up with you and good luck as you continue this journey. Oh, I deem you. you the millennial nomad. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> Best of luck. All right, thanks. Stay in touch. Oh, we'll do absolutely. Yeah, check back in a year, and I'll probably be living in a slightly bigger car. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we'll work on finding you that bumper sticker. Oh, we great! That it. would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Good to hear from her again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time now for recommendations. I want to recommend a show that is premiering on Netflix this Friday. It's called The Politician. It's created by Ryan Murphy. I got to check out some screeners. Uh, watched them over the past week. I believe it's only eight episodes. It stars Ben Platt. Platt. He's a singer, songwriter, a very talented musician. And now he's starring in the show for Ryan Murphy. And the premise is that each season will follow him trying to make his way to the presidency. He has been studying how every president got there, and he is trying to mimic what they did in order to become president himself. So in this first season, he is trying to become president of his high school, and we see him and his team get pretty vicious, actually, to win. And it, it's it's just a very good show. So Ben Platt... Zoe Deutsch, um, Jessica Lang, of course, Dylan McDermott, Bette Midler, Gwyneth Paltrow, lots of big people in it, January Jones. And this is on Netflix. Again, this Friday it premieres. Really entertaining. I think both of you would like it for different reasons. Laura, you're a politics junkie, and Pam, you're just a good TV junkie. So <laughs> I'm really excited for this, actually, so I'm glad that it's got the Andrew Seal of approval. Yeah, you know, I don't like Ryan Murphy shows at all. So I was very pleasantly surprised by this one. I was intrigued by the marketing material. So I decided to give it a try. And it exceeded my expectations for sure. Good stuff. Um, For me, given the season, I wanted to recommend Two Cents from Pier One Imports. If you're looking for some candles or um, like scent diffusers to get set up in your house, their sugared cinnamon smells amazing. And the salted caramel pumpkin, which does not smell like pumpkin. It just smells like caramel. Both of these scents are amazing. I invested in them the other day. And now my house just smells like fall and holiday goodness. And I'm really happy about it. And then um, I wanted to recommend the Golden Compass, the audiobook. Um, I picked this up because the show's set to premiere on HBO on the... 4th of November? Yes, the 4th of November is when his Dark Materials premieres. So I thought that I would brush up on the book. And the audiobook is so enjoyable. It's a full voice cast. And it's narrated by Philip Pullman, who, of course, wrote the book. So it's just a really fun read. It It's like a play you you enjoy with your ears and not your eyes. So if you're looking just for something really enjoyable and you haven't read The Golden Compass yet or you want to revisit a book that you might have enjoyed in your childhood, 10 out of 10 would recommend. I'm going to have to check this out because I I only ever read the book. I never did the audiobook. And this seems like the perfect way to get ready for the show. Yeah, it's so funny because I think we talked about this that both you and I were big fans of the book when we were younger. And there's pieces that I remember and then other pieces that I forgot. And it's just so fun to to brush up on it. So 
If you would like to get in touch with us today, you can write to millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form on millennialshow.com. We also have the confessional form over there if you want to submit something anonymously. Also, please follow us on social media, Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You get clips from the show, previews of episodes to come, some fun stuff that we come across. Also, we highlight our recommendations over there. A bunch of other stuff also posted on the social media channels. Again, Millennial Show. Give us a follow. We would appreciate it. would also appreciate a review on iTunes if you use uh, Apple's podcasting app to listen to the show. What are we doing in After Dark today? We're going to be talking about a feel-good story ah. as regards to euthanasia rates at animal shelters. Um, obviously, by that we mean the rates have gone down. Yay! I, just, I realized once that sentence came out of my mouth, I was like, I feel like I need to clarify here. Um, we're happy because less pets are being euthanized. But we also wanted to use it as an opportunity to talk about shifting attitudes towards spaying and neutering pets, and also to talk a little bit about our own adoption practices and mm-hmm. what we look for when we're we're going to adopt an animal. So okay. it'll be a good one. Yeah, that'll be available at patreon.com slash millennial. There's a lot of new stuff there this week. We also have a new Landy that Laura and I recorded last week. We spoke about some new neighbor business. We So we actually talked about um, some family stuff that I I went into on the show in terms of a family member um, having surgery and things like that. Everything's fine. Um, also talked about <laughs> another family member of mine making judgments about my life choices. <laughs> Uh, I also shared, it just happened to come up, the time that Hypable got sued. Did you know about that, Pam? Yeah, I did. And I'm pretty sure I said I told you so. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I blocked that part out. (laughs) This was for the paparazzi photos, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I definitely said I told you so. (laughs) Oh, well, I'm feeling pretty shitty about myself now. With my half journalism degree, I was like, if we don't do for this, we're going to get sued. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could have saved me $17,000. So wish I listened to you. I was also drinking during it. And I probably said some things I shouldn't have. I know Laura was shaking her head at me a couple of times. Yeah, there were a couple. I was like, whoa, this is peak Andrew. (laughs) Peak asshole. (laughs) Anyway, that and we're also going to do a new face to face sometime this week for the Bay patrons where we're just going to hang out and shoot the shit for a little while on video. So again, patreon.com slash millennial. We would really appreciate your support. It helps us keep this show a priority in our lives. It keeps the show funded so we can do the best job possible. So thank you. Our closing song today, we'll listen to a little bit of John Cozart, who allegedly sounds like me. (laughs) I wish I truly sounded like him, then I could have a YouTube career doing all these songs and whatnot. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I'm actually John Cozart. Goodbye. In lies, here's what happened after all their dreams came true. I can do this. <laughs> Be a mighty king, Moses' famous heir. Well, your little maid's been lion tamed by beasts who don't fight fair. Turned into the main event for soldiers big and small. 
And now I dread my severed head might end up on your wall. Let me help this African economy. Oh, my species is going extinct. Everywhere you look. This is clearly a Disney parody. Yes. That was strangely fitting for our climate change talk, too. Yeah, actually. Perfect.